Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com. So how much sleep did you get last night? I want everyone to think about that and think about how much sleep they got, how much sleep they got the night before, and what on average, how much sleep on average do you get a night? And this is an important industry question for our industry in particular that is known for very early mornings and very late nights. So what we're going to do on today's episode of the Provoke Media Podcast is explore this a little bit more deeply, what sleep means for work performance and how we as an industry need to rethink our own relationship with sleep. To sort of start this conversation today, I am Arthi Shaw, Provoke's executive editor, and I'll be host of today's episode, and we have two fantastic guests to have this discussion. So we have Alexandra Zatarain, who is co-founder of Eight Sleep, and she's going to talk a little bit about Eight Sleep's mission and how they're really trying to change um, our relationship to sleep and sort of gamify sleep and kind of really emphasize its impact on our overall performance and productivity. And we, of course, also have Kyle Artiga, who is co-founder and CEO of The Bullet Group. Um, we partnered with Kyle on a bigger series about wellness. We had our first episode, which featured uh, Kali Power CEO, Gail Becker, about nutrition and the importance that that plays and our ability to, uh, to not only achieve wellness, um, productivity, and just to sort of be our best selves. I will link to that conversation in the show notes just so you all can revisit that. But today we will talk about sleep. Welcome, Alexandra and Kyle. Hi, Ruthie. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, this is great. And, and just, and Alexandra, you're joining us from Florida, correct? Yes, I live in Miami now, former oh. New Yorker. Oh, former New Yorker now, and talk about lifestyle changes, right? Um, exactly. Talk about a place for better sleep now. <laughs> oh, so that, so, I, and that is something that I'd love to ask you about in terms of what your, the macro environment and how that plays into one's ability to sleep. So, um, Alexander, maybe you can start by just talking a little bit um, about Eight Sleep and sort of how you came to co-found this company and just a little bit about your background. Yes, of course. So we've been building this company for a few years now. Actually, I left my previous job in, um, in, in a financial technology company in New York City. My background's always been in kind of marketing and, and comms and a bit of PR too. But I, I left that world to start Eight Sleep with my co-founders. And we built a company around the premise that technology can actually help people sleep better. There's a lot of conversations on how technology gets in the way and like your phones and the lights. But the reality is we can use innovation to help ourselves in, in, in terms of just taking care of the most important pillar of health. It really is the most important one. There are research studies that show that you would die sooner of sleep deprivation than food deprivation. So if you let that sink in, you realize just how important sleep is. You could be eating terribly, not working out, but you get really good sleep, not just in time, but in quality, and your body will manage to repair itself much easier than if you're just giving it good food and working out, but you're not getting good sleep. So 
Um, that's why we are in love with what we do because it's such an important part of us as humans uh, living longer, living healthier. And it started with my co-founder, Matteo, who's um, our CEO and also my husband and his own problems with sleep. And from his insights and the, the gaps that he saw in the market many years ago, he realized, wow, there's actually no company building solutions. There's companies selling a lot of amazing products, but they're not solving the problems. So that's why we started this company and we're building this movement around helping people be sleep fit. Wow. So there's two things that I want to just make sure everyone that's listening heard. And the first is that technology does not need to get in the way of good sleep. I know we have all been drilled into our heads that we should have these be in a different room when we go to bed at night. How many of us actually do that? <laughs> I think it's questionable. Um, yeah. every, every night, especially. Right. Um, and then and then also this piece about, you know, how important sleep is. I mean, the fact that one would die of sleep deprivation before they would die of food deprivation. I know we're an industry that takes working out very seriously. We're an industry that, you know, I, I've been on lunches with all of the CEOs and I know we're all very mindful about what we eat, but sleep is that one area where I hear, I have conversations with CEOs on a regular basis where they'll say, oh, I've been jet lagged. Oh, I'm traveling. Oh, I got about two hours of sleep last night or I've been up since 4 a.m. Yeah, I mean, that's that's always lost on the list. And so we have, we have one of those CEOs here with us today so Kyle, tell us, maybe just give us a little bit of context around how sleep has factored into your professional life and has that changed recently? Sure, yeah, I actually started in comms in 1997. And to your point earlier, I, I do believe at that time when you were a PR person, you were expected to be on 24 hours a day. If you got an email that came in late that day, like it didn't matter what time it was, you had to respond. You were expected to take calls uh, in the minute. And I remember the first, maybe 10 years of my career, I didn't sleep very well. You know, I was obviously younger, there was a different, there was a different mentality, but that was the expectation. Um, I think it's very different now. I think now, like, like two years ago, I turned all notifications off from everything, text messages, emails, which, you know, leads to some angry people sometimes because I'm not responding very quickly, but it was the only way I could stay sane. And then that led me into starting to think about sleep. Um, and one of the things that the pandemic taught me is that if I don't control what I eat and I don't control my sleep, I can't perform. You know, I can't be a good husband. I can't be a good parent. I can't be a good CEO. And I'm not setting the right, the right message for, for the junior people who are in the place that I was a couple of decades ago when I started in PR. And so I do think, you know, I, I take it very seriously right now. I try to have a, a rhythm. I haven't got gone as far as eight sleep, but Alexander and I were just talking about it. I'm working on it. I'm working on, on incorporating that in because my husband's still of the opinion that, you know, technology does get in the way. And I'm trying to change that, change that at home as well as I am at, at the workplace. Uh, but, you know, I think, it, I think it's something I would love to see all managers of, of comms people have this as part of their one-on-one -on -one discussion. How did you sleep? Right. You know, I'd like you to start talking about these types of issues. Well, and, you know, so this, maybe let's talk a little bit about that name because Kyle, you sort of referenced sort of eight sleep. I'm assuming that's a, a reference to eight hours. And, and so tell me a little bit about the research that you all found, Alexandra. Is, is eight hours optimal? Because, you know, for everybody, I'm sure you've had a zillion people say, well, I don't need eight hours. I can get by on six. Or to ask someone, in the, me in my 20s, I was convinced I only needed four. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you... So I'm curious to know a little bit about the name and some of the research that went into that. And then also, how are you all framing sleep? Because I know it's a little bit more as fitness rather than as around illness. Um, so let, let's start with the name and then we'll talk a little bit about how it's framed. Yes, and you're right that a lot of people ask us about the name, say, why eat sleep? And then they're like, oh, wait, yes, the hours. And once we say it, it makes sense. So we did come up with the name because of the eight hours of sleep. We're all told we should be sleeping eight hours. 
to your point of the research, right, the, the, the reality is the way that sleep has been studied so far has been on few subjects at a time, uh, not necessarily those subjects representing the diversity of our population around the world. And also the way the studies have been conducted, it's either in an environment that's different from where you usually sleep. So they're taking you out of your normal environment, putting you in a sleep clinic to observe you, or they are pretending for you to journal through certain times of your day, how you slept, how you feel. And nowadays they're starting to incorporate some like actual tracking technology to have more precise data when they run these studies at home. Um, but you know, a lot of what we know so far has been studied that way. And so we need to challenge that and we need to try to understand if there's actually a better way and a different way in which we should be sleeping. Some of the more interesting studies to me that I do think must hold some validity when you think about how important sleep is for us as humans is that we know from research that only around 1% of the world's population can thrive on less than six hours of sleep. You know, you could get by, but are you really thriving? And are you hurting yourself in the process of not getting enough sleep? So anything below six hours is definitely dangerous, which is why they generally recommend like seven to nine as that like good, healthy um, time that you should be sleeping every single night. But beyond that, at eight sleep, we do question everything else. And one of the beautiful things that we do with all the data we collect is think, well, what can we understand about how humans sleep out of this data set? And the more people that we use our products or other products that are also gathering that health data, we will be able to uncover a lot of things. And that's where the research community is really excited. And the scientists that have been spending their lives studying sleep a lot of them have joined our scientific advisory board because they want to, with us and with our help, try to uncover a lot of these learnings. What I would say, the last piece about this is that sleep is personal. And so when we, when we think about eight sleep, the reason why we chose the name is not because we pretend everyone to get eight hours, it's because we want to help you find what your eight is. Right. Is it seven and a half? Is it nine and a half? Is it 10? Also, that number changes to Kyle's point is as you age, you could thrive with less sleep when you're younger, um, but not too young because we know kids and babies actually need more sleep, right? But as you age, your needs will change. And so it's important that we start building a blueprint of who we are as individuals. What do we need to thrive? How we feel and how our actual biology is doing and also how it changes over time as we start going through different phases of life. Can you talk a little bit about how you help people or, or recommend that people start tracking that? And, and I mean, it's the sleep journaling, the way to do that. I mean, I know we all have apps on our phones that do variations of that, but it almost feels like it can be overwhelming, right? There's just so many different ways and that sometimes people might well be well-intentioned and start that for like a week and then, you know, like so many good habits <laughs> kind of fall to the wayside. So do you all have a sustainable way to sort of keep track of, of one's sleep? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to push our product, but that's why we designed our product to not wear anything. You don't have to do anything. You go to bed, it tracks you, but you can do it in any way that, that, that matters for you, that works for you. If you want to write it down, so people keep that journal next to their night on their nightstand and they'll just jot down when they go again, when they get out of bed, our phones actually do it for the most part automatically nowadays. They, Unfortunately, we're like you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, we all have our phones 24 seven. And so the phone knows when you stop using them, you start using it again in the morning and it does an approximation of, oh, you were idle and probably asleep during this time. Um, so I would just go with whatever works for any individual, but starting to look at the consistency. So keeping the schedule consistent every single day, including the weekends, that's the healthiest thing to do. Going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time in a time frame of like plus minus 30 minutes, and then taking a look at how are you actually doing that consistently, then that will give you the time that you need, right? It's setting a schedule like we do for kids. Um, and if you stick to that schedule, you're going to be getting enough sleep. 
You know, one of the things I've noticed, Alexandra, and I'm sure you've probably seen this as well, is the only way I will continue to track my sleep is if I tell people what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Interesting. The more that the more I have a conversation with my husband or my friends or my my coworkers, the more I keep myself accountable. Do you find that as well? Yes. So this is actually one of the interesting points uh, already to your question of how we think about sleep. We have found that to be quite fascinating. When we started building the company, especially from the brand perspective, what we saw is that there was most of the language that was being used out there, especially in the media around sleep was in the context of illness. A lot of articles and, and news and content around sleep deprivation, sleep apnea, insomnia, all of the bad things, but no one was giving us the language and how to describe ourselves and we are healthy in our sleep. And so when we started building that and we define ourselves as sleep fitness company. What we really do as a brand is build the movement. We want people to be sleep fit regardless of what products they do it with. Uh, the conversation started changing amongst ourselves as a team and with our community, the people that were buying our products and that were looking forward to starting this journey. It became exciting. And the other thing that they do is that they have almost been holding themselves accountable on Twitter, you see a lot of that activity for our brand on Twitter. People post their scores on Instagram. They'll challenge each other because it's about making it fun. And we wondered initially if we were going to be able to do that for sleep because it's something where you don't take a picture of yourself sleeping, right? And now there's this sort of culture around like, I'm just going to post what I'm working out. I'm going to post what I'm eating. Yeah. And that kind of yeah. makes it cool. And I want people to know what I'm doing. You don't really do that for sleep. But I think slowly we're managing to do that as more brands offer people the language to do it first, make it exciting, and people just open up and talk about something that before was almost just held very privately. Yeah, and you know, and, and we like to your point, I mean, we talk about sleep when we're sick, like we'll, we'll give that context of, oh my God, I went to sleep at 8 p.m. last night, that's how tired I was, or you know, and then, you're, or they'll talk about um, sleep when, you know, when it's the extreme other way, right? Like, I didn't sleep at all, I'm working on two hours of sleep. We don't talk about that healthy, normal, and, and, and I love that this, that people are posting their scores and that this is gamified the way that we do with running. I just, I'm amazed at how runners are just like yes. telling you how much they ran that day, how much it was better than the day before. And when they had an off, like, you know, and to the point where like, I mean, I, as someone who's not a runner, I don't really care, but, but, but people who run, like they just love it. And they, and they all seem to like that to Kyle, to your point, like that seems to be quite motivating for people to stick with stuff. And you know, and I, I like that we're going with sleep, but so I have two questions here on, on that. From a cultural perspective, do we, it seems like we still have a ways to go, and Kyle, maybe this would be a great place to get your perspective. You know, as you've started modeling better sleep, have you found that conversations around sleep with your workforce has changed? Because I still feel like if you brag about getting eight hours of sleep in, in our industry, it, it, it's not, I don't think it's well received still. Um, yeah, no, I think. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no please. Oh, well, so in the second piece, and I'd love to get all. I'd love to get your take on this, Alexander. Is um, napping. Like, how does that factor in? I think now that we've moved into this pandemic world, and one of the things that's emerged from it, from the conversations I've had, are people have discovered that two p.m. twenty minute reset it does more for productivity and overall health than that fourth cappuccino at, at three p.m. Right to sort of power through the day. But I mean, that's still something that I don't think you could really be open about in a, in a workplace environment to say like, you know, this is how I manage to work productively till six is I do a 20 minute reset at two o'clock. Um, so anyway, that was a two part question, Kyle. I'm gonna turn it over to you first. Yeah, I, I guess I'll start with, in the pandemic, we all moved to a distributed workforce and it happened so quickly, you know? And so you've got people literally sleeping in the same room that they're working in a lot of cases. 
as a result of that, you have to find a separation. You have to, like, you can't just wake up in the middle of the night, check email like you used to. Like, maybe you could get away with that when you were going to an office, but when you're not leaving your house, that is really unhealthy. And so I, I do agree with you, you know, at the junior levels, I still think that people are reluctant to say I slept well. I, I, they probably aren't. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to get them to say like, look, you have to take this seriously. Like, it reminds me a lot of the conversations we used to have with people about 401ks or medical benefits. Like, take this seriously. I know you don't see see the doctor all that often, but it still matters what the back end infrastructure is that makes us work. I think of sleep as kind of like infrastructure for your life, right? Like, if you don't, if you don't take it seriously, if you don't have a program taken care of, if you're not thinking about it, then you're not going to happen. So. We have a long, a very long way to go. I mean, I think we're hard coded to say the more hours we work, the more effective we are. And that's absolutely not the reality. Um, and I'd love to, to kind of veer it a little bit uh, at some point. Alexander, you talked a lot about the corporate athlete I've seen in, in previous conversations. I'd love to hear more about like your perspective on that and how, you know, I think the way we're managing our teams and talking to them could adjust to this corporate athlete mentality. Yes, and, and I want to give you a few stats that I pulled out for this conversation on, on your point of it's actually hurting our performance. And you're right, especially when you're younger, you don't realize how much better you perform when you're well rested. And that coffee is not going to cure that, right? If you actually read about what coffee does in our brain, it's not energizing. It's just blocking the receptors that let our brain understand we're tired. So it's like just masking the problem. It's not taking the tiredness away. And so if you go throughout the day, you're accumulating that adenosine and you're just feeling more and more tired. The coffee is just blocking that receptor, but you're just hiding the problem. So that's just a, a, a note on coffee to, to be mindful of. But um, the, the thing that's also very interesting on how we get affected by just being tired, whether that comes from lack of sleep or some other issues, is that it will basically make you function as if you were drunk none of us would be capable of doing the job at our highest level if we were drunk at work every single day, right? And I think we can all agree on that. And there, there's some stats that show that, you know, approximately if you were um, spending, you know, 17 hours awake and you were just constantly asked to like stay focused and work and you had no breaks, no recovery time, more or less you start performing towards the end of that as if you had had two glasses of wine. And if you do 24 hours awake, it's as if you had had four glasses of wine. Mm -hmm. And we've all felt it. So I think we can relate to those situations and what that means. You'll have impaired motor function, less alertness, your memory will start suffering. But then when you think of leaders too, and what leaders would want out of their teams, like the decision-making, the ability to assess risk and the consequences of risk, creativity, which in, in, in the industry, in, in anything it comes in marketing and creative, right? It's like, we need that, that side, the good ideas, that all gets impaired pretty quickly if you're tired at work. And I agree with you, Kyle, we're like how we speak to our team and how we bring that into our core values makes a difference. It's something we did at eight sleep. We didn't do it very early on, but eventually we said, you know, two, three years into the company, we said that we think this has to be a core value of ours. And we created one of our eight corporate values being that we have an athlete's mentality. An athlete is just someone who's looking to be better at their craft, be the best, to learn, grow. But a very important component of the athlete is that they, they know that recovery is important to their performance and that they have to take care of their bodies. And just from the moment that we introduced that and we communicated that to the team and we shared with anyone who joins the organization, 
it opens up the door. People know that they can come to us as their managers and talk about that and say, hey, I, I need a day off tomorrow or I'm not feeling well right now. I'll reconnect tomorrow morning because we've made it there available. We've stated that we care about this and that we expect you to take care of yourself so that you're at your best every day. An example I want to give, it's actually something that happened as we went remote, is there, I started to see some people in the team who were sending documents very late, 2, 3 a.m. And the best thing we can do as leaders is on those managers to say, hey, this is not great. Are you sleeping enough? And I do that with my team. Are you sleeping? Do you maybe just have a different schedule and this is when you thrive, but you're getting enough sleep in some other time? But I want to know because this is not okay. I don't want you to consistently be delivering things like this to me every week. And we have those conversations that aid sleep and I hope more companies do them too. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to just kind of throw out something that I'm that I'm hearing more um, generationally. You know, I, it, it, there is a generation and, and maybe even a personality profile who will think about sleep purely around being sort of that corporate athlete, right? Like, how can I optimize my, my work performance? But, you know, increasingly, we have a generation that's unbundling their lives away from everything being centered around work. And this idea that you should sleep only so that you can be a better worker, I think is, we should just at least like take a moment to, to reflect on that. Um, I like what you said, Kyle, earlier that like sleep not only makes you a better CEO, but it also makes you a better partner and a better father. And, you know, so I, you know, I'm guessing people that are listening to this podcast are because they want to be the best at this craft. We are, you know, this is a, this is catered to communications professionals, but I do want to acknowledge that that's not the only driver that, that, you know, should be the reason that people are assessing their sleep. They want to be better friends. They want to be more present for their partners, for their children. And it, just like you said, I mean, health, a healthy lifestyle, right? That's become so important to people during this pandemic that the quality of their life matters so much more than they than they even realized perhaps before. Um, so it, just in terms of how you position sleep and, and optimizing performance, do you guys, how, how active are you in your messaging beyond sort of your, your work performance? Yeah, we actually don't focus much on telling you if you sleep better, you'll work better, but it is one of the very important aspects to anyone who's looking to be a high performer. What we aim to do is show you the diversity of what you're striving for. So there is athletic performance, there is work, there is creative, there is being a parent, there is a doctor, right? There are multiple lanes in life in which you could be aiming to be a high performer and relationships, definitely one of those, right? It's proven that when you uh, have less sleep, you're more irritable. And that means you can just get into a fight quicker with your partner or your parents or your kids, right? And so the effects of it can be seen everywhere. And as a brand for us, we're very focused on still speaking to people who care about their performance over time as we seek to be more appealing to a wider audience that will start changing and, and we'll be able to connect with others who maybe are less sensitive about how important sleep is, but we want to get to the point where we can bring that education to them as well. Yeah, and, I, and that point about having it be part of your core values, I think as a company is really important. Kyle, is that, is that something do you think PR agencies would adopt where sleep and, and sleep hygiene, I guess, is, is a core value of, of, of a company? So, I mean, at Bullet, we're trying to do that. Uh, you know, we're admittedly a smaller agency and focused on a specific market. And so, you know, it makes sense because I, I fully believe in the science behind good sleep. Um, 
but I, I think we've got to see more CEOs sharing their sleep patterns, you know, and this is what we're, we're going to talk about in the next podcast. Mm -hmm. It has to start at the top, you know, and I'll just give you a headline, you know, Arthi and I challenged seven other CEOs of different agencies to, to do a sleep challenge for a week. And, and, you know, at the top line, they're mostly sleeping well, but the reason for it is because they had a problem earlier in their career. Right. They had no choice. Like they literally, yeah. each one of them has a story about like, I hit a point, you know, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever, whatever it was, where if I didn't solve this, that was it. Like I hit the ceiling. Yeah. And I think sharing those stories and why they hit the ceiling and how this is all happening is a core part of this. I mean, and, and Arthur, you'll know this, you know, Andy Prey just posted on LinkedIn just the other day, hey, I'm taking a month off. Yep. And I'm taking a month off because my staff isn't taking time off. And they said that's because we're not modeling good behavior. We have to do more of this. And we shouldn't be just telling our staffs. I think we should be putting on social media. We should be having these conversations with almost anyone that'll hear us right. because it'll keep hold us accountable. But but yeah, I, I will this become common core value for PR agencies? Probably not even in five years, but I'd like to see that it was. <laughs> so, so Kyle, you 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 previewed what, what I was going to end the show on, and that is just that that right. The um, we did a sleep challenge with seven other CEOs, and Kyle and I will have a conversation. Maybe we'll invite one of those CEOs on. Maybe the three of us will have a discussion, yeah. um, sort of about sleep in our industry. But Alexander, I want to turn it back to you for for a moment before we close. And you know, what advice would you give not to the CEOs, but to those? mid-level professionals that really are struggling. And I asked that because I, I recently did a, I, I, I did a LinkedIn question around why people leave the agency world. And I got so many DMs from people. I mean, these anecdotes were horrifying. I mean, people were talking about how unless they got, unless they did a 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. day, they could not get their work done. And, and they did, and it was interesting, Kyle, what I noticed was some of them said that they thought that the leadership enjoyed flexibility and had work-life balance and they felt like it was pushed so far down the workload was pushed so far down that you had mid-level to see junior level people managing just unre unrealistic workloads unrealistic client expectations and you know leadership was just saying yes 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 because they wanted to see the money come in and then it was thrown up to the mid-level to junior level people to fulfill and they were just like they don't have news. They don't have a story. What are we supposed to do with this? So I guess my question is like, for someone who's not senior in their career, like what do you tell people on your team, mid-level, junior, um, that's realistic that they can apply to their lives today? Yeah, you know, it's very challenging because I'm, you know, I wish I was in a position to actually change their working environment. It is true. Like the leadership has to understand that the longer that goes on, the less effective and the less happy people will be being a part of their team. So um, a few things I'd say is first, for anyone who's looking for a new position, I know there's a lot of people switching jobs now and thinking of new places and opportunities. It is important to ask the question and say, what is really the culture like here? In the last week, what was work like? Um, and, and, and also on the other end, for those of us who are hiring people to be transparent and direct about it too, and say, here's what our normal period of the year looks like, but beware if you're part of the eight sleep team and it, during the, the holidays, this is what it's going to look like, right? And people need to sign on to the jobs that align with their values and their needs and where they're at in their lives. And we just have to start being more honest with each other as humans for that. If you already find yourself in this situation where it's like that terrible and you have so much work, probably the best suggestion I have is to try to make a clear case to your manager as to how that is hurting you and why you think 
you could still be successful if you had a different schedule and like were able to maybe do less things or take some time off. Uh, we do this, we build business cases for everything. Yeah. We need to start building those business cases for ourselves and for our health as well at work because without us, any of us as part of a team, the company wouldn't be successful. So bring that case up to your manager and show them with as much data as you can and prove that you can be efficient and deliver on what they need, but you need to do, be able to work a bit differently. I, I think that's such, I think that transparency piece is so key, right? I mean, we need to have conversations up front and about, you know, like you said, I mean, there's, there's, there can be a seasonality to work, right? You can say, look, this, these are, this is a period in which, yeah, you may have to dial back a little bit in other areas of your life, but guess what? Like, you know, we also have this period where, you know, people, most people take their vacations and things like that. One of the things I noticed is it used to be, people always tell me, oh, summers used to be quiet and now they're so, and I always push back on that. I'm like, no, I actually, I intentionally slow my summers down. Like I have a young child. I, I do think that fall tends to be so busy that, yeah, I don't see anything wrong in saying, yeah, you know what, July and August, I'm going to say no a lot more because I know in September and October, it's going to be really hard to say no. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that people need to be just this always on badge of like, you know, I'm always busy. Like, I don't know. I just feel like, and, and we have a new generation, thankfully that's, that's pushing back on that. That's questioning. Like what's the, what's the utility of this? Um, so, all right, well, this was, I know you have to go. So I just want to, I want to wrap up, but is there any closing thoughts, Alexander? Cause I know Kyle and I are going to continue this conversation on another day, but I want to at least give you a chance to give any closing thoughts that you want to leave our audience with. Yeah, I'm excited to hear the conversations happening. That's always a first step. I have all of us talk about it more openly, share our stats, share our schedules, share what is working for us, not just in sleep, but work-life balance, productivity, what gets you in the flow, what makes you perform. Our teams want to hear that. They want to learn from us and from each other. Let's have those open conversations as part of our organization. So I'm very excited that we had a chance to talk about it today. Yes. Well, thank you um, so much. And um, if there's, if, is there any resources for folks that do want more information around not only your product, but also some of the, some of the research that you all are promoting, um, where should, where should they go? Yeah, they can find on our website, 8sleep.com or find us on Twitter or find me on Twitter. That's where we're most active and we're always happy to, to engage directly. Great, great. And Kyle, as you said, you and I are going to meet again and we're going to talk about the sleep study, which yes, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, the CEOs actually got a decent amount of sleep. And to your point, Kyle, most of them is it's because they hit a point in their lives where they realized they couldn't keep functioning um, the way they were. And our goal here is to help people realize that point earlier um, and rectify that situation um, before they've done any damage or done more damage. Um, so thank you again, both of you. And I look forward to continuing this conversation soon. We'll be back soon with another episode. You have been listening to the Provoke podcast brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent, and easy to use PR software. Get a free demo today at notified.com.